Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Well, we hope you had a good week and are ready for what I know will be another great stock market show tonight. There's always something interesting happening, not only on the Australian market, but world markets. Now, tonight, as always, we'll shed some light on the current market as we aim to inform you and educate you on the realities of investing and trading. And our topic for tonight, buying and selling stocks. Why is it more than just pressing a button? There's a lot more to making money in the stock market than simply hitting a button on the stockbroker's trading platform to buy and sell stocks. As always, we'll look at what's currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam and joining me tonight is Janine Cox and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Well, isn't that different to get an introduction from you? I've got to say hi, Janine. Hi, Janine. (laughs) Good to see you. We normally have to do... I know, I know. We're sort of starting to get back to normal, aren't we? Yeah, thanks for taking me for a spin yesterday. It was interesting. Oh, you don't okay. know what to say now. You don't know what to say. <laughs> People are going to be wondering. What Nobody knows about? what you're going to say. Take, Dale's taking Janine for a spin. No. Dale's taking. Yeah, well, what my wife's going to say? Well, I'm taking you for a spin. Jeez, I don't know. Oh, okay. Stay focused. Stay focused. What are we doing? Did you want to talk about something tonight? No, I'm just excited about the market at the moment. It's really good. Yeah. It's interesting, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I'm sick of talking bearish. So I'm, I'm quite happy to talk a bit more bullish at the moment. Got your horns out now? Well, I know. No, you're normally more bearish and I'm normally more bullish, but I've been so bearish lately and not so bullish and you're more... <laughs> so it's, we, we swapped. We swapped. Okay. Well, that's probably good. it from me for now. Okay. If tonight is your first time, then may I say a big hi to you and welcome. We're excited to have you with us and hope you enjoy the show. Moving on, it's the first Tuesday in the month and that means we get to look at the Australian stock market. So let's get into the live charts and discuss our thoughts right now. Okay, there you can see on the screen there in front of you, we've got the monthly and weekly chart of the All Ordinaries Index. Now, what's interesting is the current week, we're not seeing much of a move. There is a slight move up compared to last week. Last week, the market actually closed down towards the end of the week, which I thought was interesting. I thought after three weeks up, perhaps we might actually see a little bit of softening on the market, but so far it's still holding up well. But then it is early in the week, and normally I never judge the market by what it's doing up until 
Thursday, you know, Wednesday afternoon is mm. a really good sign to see if it's strong on the on the market, and then you know whether it's more likely to hold up. But it's early days. Yeah. What's well, what I was saying yesterday, I think, on my market report, you know, I was saying it doesn't matter what happens at Monday and Tuesday; it's what happens mm. Thursday and Friday that really counts. That's right. Because the the because I know Jim Beach on my U.S. report, which we do on Sunday, or Sunday U.S. time before the market opens, he goes. His question to me was, how many thousand points is the U.S. market going to be down? And I go, well, I don't know what's going to be down. Because like, he thought all the riots must mm. be forcing the market down. And when yep. people say the market must go down, then it probably is going to go up. That's yeah, pretty yeah. much my thoughts half the time. Contrarian. It's, uh, a little bit more contrarian, but it didn't go down thousands of points. So, And our market's staying up quite nicely, so it's looking mm. good. It is looking good. Question is, how long will it stay up? That's the big question at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, we're due for our next sort of... Um, short-term peak and what I mean by short-term peak is like three monthly roughly peak mm. that's due in the next roughly two to four weeks roughly mm. um, and generally after that peak we normally would see a pullback of say anywhere between sort of five to eight percent so that'll be an interesting one once we've had the peak and then see what the downward move is if the downward moves a lot more bearish mm. then it could give us some indications of what we're going to see for the second half of the year Okay. Because so, I think once we start seeing end of year reporting, because obviously we've got June, we're in, right in June, we're into the financial year, we're going to start seeing reports. A bit of volatility coming out. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, when do, the, when do the, all the big banks and all the other big companies start reporting? They're mm. starting to report sort of, you know, July, August-ish. Mm. So it should be interesting to see what they are. And I know, obviously, at the end of June is the end of second quarter U.S., and we'll start seeing reports on that into July. So, yeah. I don't know. It could be interesting second half of the year. I think it will. But I know next year is going to be awesome. <laughs> okay. I can Just see Just because it. we're out of this year? Is that what? Well, I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> okay. It's going to be an awesome year next year. So. Fantastic. You've got the tea leaves happening and everything there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got all that. Well, looking at the All Ordinaries Index, I just want to step back for a minute just a little bit more and just take stock of where we're at relative to where the high was during the GFC. So note how we're actually still below that high. Mm. So the market only just got above that prior all-time high in July 2019, stayed above it for a couple of months and then, you know, we had COVID and it it lost a lot of ground. So there's a bit of catch-up to be done. But I, I just want to note that Historically, the 6,200 point mark is a resistance level for mm. our market and we could see the market actually slow down somewhere around there. And we're, we're thinking while it might break through 6,200 and head to 6,400, it's probably not going to get much beyond that you know, without a turn. No, mm. I was saying 6,200 is sort mm. of the next resistance level, but I'm thinking 6,466 six, six mm. and pull it up. But I think that's what I said on my report yesterday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because we're talking about from where it is. So you're trying to cover all bases, is that what you're saying? Oh, it's one <laughs> of those things, cheeky. you know. People say to you, you know, hey, pick a direction, Dale. Don't just go, it's going to do this or this. You're going to be right what either What you're saying is it's going up. That's well, it's just laws of probability, isn't it? And this yeah. is where a lot of the people don't, who watch the show don't really understand. They're going, Dale, you're saying stay out. Should we get out or stay in or should we buy in? And how far is it going to be before we have to sell out? And can we buy in now? And it's like, it's all about risk to us. Yeah. It's not about... Do we buy today or do we not buy today? Do we sell today or do we not sell today? It's about what is the risk today. Yeah. And so our comments are always based on levels of risk, which is never going to be 100%. And it's also about, you know, how, how um, mm. much do you put your foot, foot mm. down on the accelerator yeah. when that happens? So do you put a little bit in 
into the market and then pull it back a bit when the market's a bit uncertain. But that is a critical point because mm. the people say, oh, are you buying today? Which and it doesn't mean if I say, yeah, we're buying today. But we're not doesn't buying mean We're not buying all that. Yeah. We're not putting all our money into the market. <laughs> that's what people think. It's all or nothing sometimes mm. too. And it's like, True. but a lot of people show their um, lack of education in the market by a lot of the questions they're asking. But everyone's at w where they're at. And mm. I mean, you, when you and I first started, we only knew what we knew. They so used to you've just got to start me. somewhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've been told to wrap it up. Now Thanks, it's time Mr. To, Producer. Yeah, okay. It's time to, I was going to ask you before, you're losing bits, so what's going on there? I'm, I'm falling apart. My sticky tape's falling off. Okay. So. It's holding them together. It's time we get into the videos and emails and get, um, again, we've got more questions that we can handle, so thank you there. Uh, we've got um, questions also tonight about stocks and just general questions, so it's good to see a bit of variety. Now, we'd like to thank you for your questions. Remember, the more detail you provide, the more likely your questions will be responded to on the show. Now, um, we want to share with share with us why you want us to discuss your question, and that'll increase your chances of having it selected. So, if you want to have your question answered to the highest priority, we give the highest priority to emails in 30-second videos of your question. So, stick your mobile phone in front of your face, talk into it for 30 seconds, and shoot the email through to us. Now, last week we announced that we'd be taking email and video questions only. So, we've got two video questions this week so oh. that's really exciting is it so from tonight if you have a question or you'd like us to look at stocks for you ensure you send us your email or video question to info at wealthwithin.com.au and do so before 3 p.m on tuesday to meet the cutoff now before we get into our first email for the night which is actually a video not an email but we have we have a very special viewer video question from francois now um, thanks very much francois for your contribution to tonight's show now francois remember they said the guy bought me a beer after the seminar i did two months ago that was francois that's francois so i always remember him because he buys me beer oh fantastic <laughs> let's play is the video his well, question first well let's hear his question <laughs> first before we answer it so let's get into okay. it okay hi dale and janine this is francois I would like to ask you a question about a stock that I spoke to you about uh, now almost a year ago. I then subsequently bought it last year in June and sold it in November for 26% profit based on some of the rules in your book and some of the discussions we've had on the this forum. Uh, the stock is Lendlease. Um, I'm looking to get into it again, um, thinking it looks good. Um, would you please give me your view on Lentleys? Thank you. Bye. Good. What a good okay. question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very now, Can good I ask him for a commission then? Or a part <laughs> of the profit? Because he's made 28% from reading my book. I think you'd just be happy that he made a profit, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Like, it's great when people can read the book. And imagine what he would do, you know, if he was a graduate of our course. You know, 28% profit in, on some rules in the basic book. Well, that's, that's why he's good. asking you the question now, so he doesn't have to do that. Uh, okay, so should I, I shouldn't answer it. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, you go into Lens Lease. Okay, so looking at the chart of Lens Lease there, you can see long term, you can see the stock is very volatile now. It it's done nothing, right? If you look back since 1999, it's actually trading well below what it was trading at then. Mm. It's had a really checkered history. So it's not a great stock, you know, in a big picture, long-term sense. If, if you'd held this on a buy and hold, then you'd really be disappointed in it. Mm. You'd have to be generating good dividends. And even then, look how far it fell mm. down. So looking at the stock, it does trend nicely when it gets going. So it mm. does give you opportunities, but you can really get caught out. 
in this it's a trading stock. stock. It's, it's not a trading a stock. Yeah. It's someone who's experienced, you know, and to trade this stock because it is it can be volatile and, like I said, turn when you think it's going up. All mm. of a sudden, it just changes. At the moment, though, it looks quite good. If it if it continues to hold above about eleven dollars forty, then I'd be really um, quite excited about it. It's got some resistance overhead. Could um, slow down around the fifteen dollar mark, mm. but it's potential for a short term opportunity. Then. Yeah, you've got to you've got to think about the environment that that's mm. in and it's operating into. So, We're getting into the fundamentals. Well, you do going a into little the, bit, but you've got to have a look at that, you know, mm. and, and decide whether that's sustainable at the moment. And, and depending on this next 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 six months is going to be sort of a, probably not crucial to lend lease, but important for its more medium to longer term outlook because it just depends on what happens in this commercial guess, property though. market and mm. everything else. So, well, I've been looking around and seeing how just paying mm. attention to what's happening mm. in, with shops and noticing how that there are a lot of, um, if, for example, in the retail mm. space. A lot of shops with um, nothing in them. Yeah. So you know, what does that tell you? Well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, lot of renegotiation of leases, all sorts of other stuff. There's lots of empty shops around. There's a whole range of other stuff. So, be interesting space to watch as we move forward. But yeah, so that's uh, lend lease. Really, I think's got short term upside. At this stage, I'd still be a little bit um, careful with it because of the nature of the beast. The so you're saying don't trade it just because you made money on it last time. It doesn't mean you're going to do the same this time. Yeah, I think that's really important to know. And cool. I, but I think there could be a short term opportunity. Right, next question. Mm-hmm. We've been told. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. We've got another viewer question, as I said, so that's awesome from Robert. Thanks very much, Robert, your, for your contribution to tonight's show. Mm-hmm. Robert's question is, let's hear it. My question is, in regards to um, share like CSL, obviously it's quite high now, but I was looking at some backtesting and just wondering what kind of things do I look for to be able to find a share that has as much promise as, as CSL's got now, um, what what do I need? Well, what do we need to be looking for, and how can we pick a future CSL? If that makes sense, um, happy for any input. Just find what you guys share with us is invaluable. Anyone that's thinking about doing the course, um, yeah, you have to pay for the lessons. Um, yeah, one way or the other, as Dale says. Yeah, I just. I've learned some stuff through other areas in the stock market and just found that uh, with what Dale and Janine share with us, it's not just what they share, it's their knowledge and, and the lessons I've learned. Like, um, yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um, yeah, get into it and uh, yeah, look forward to having any information back from you guys. Thank you. What a question. Thanks, Robert. Great question. And did you actually... Um Tell him that he could record a minute. How long was that? No, no, no. He did that on his own. I mean, he's in Java's <laughs> Bay. We've actually edited it as well. Like did we took the front <laughs> section off of it because he's, he's showing talker. us all of Java's Bay, which is gorgeous. Mm. Like if you've never been to Java's, Java's Bay, it's north of Sydney, so it's a gorgeous. Place. I'm not sure. Couldn't. I've been to Sydney, but well, can't it's, yeah, it sort of just go up past Newcastle. So it's you'd on, say I'd remember it if I had been there. Obviously. Yes, it was beautiful, and it's said to have the whitest sand in the world. Really? So there you go. So that's where you need to go. So not Whitehaven Beach. So that's one of those beaches where you wouldn't see me anyway. No, I wouldn't see so you white. anyway. No, well, no. well, I would see you because you'd be in a full head-to-tail suit. That's what you'd be in. So, CSL, obviously, mm. absolutely amazing stock. Cockley is another one. Yeah, you know, amazing. Very stock. different though. Very different, but they've had huge, yeah. huge long bull runs. So, mm. what he's saying is, how do you find the next one of that? CSL is really one of those out of the block mm. stocks, and I, I just don't thinking about it. 
unless you were looking for something in the middle of the market, I would sort of look somewhere between the the one hundred, the one hundred and the two hundred in that two hundred top two hundred stocks, but outside the one hundred, hmm. but something that's up and coming that eventually will become one of these and move into the one hundred. Yeah, I think you've really got to keep your eyes out to find a stock like a CSL. And hmm. obviously, CSL Cochlear were government floats. Hmm. They were government businesses that floated so they were good yeah. but you've got to look for an area that is in constant demand like um, well obviously Cochlear with the ear implants there's always going to be things happening there um, ResMed's another one because it's obviously in respiratory yeah, but they've got a lot more stuff. competition now so it's they've about where's the competition so mm. looking at some of those sort of not I wouldn't say micro cap stocks but you can look into that micro cap type of sector I'll and not necessarily invest straight away in it but look at stuff mm. that's coming there that's got a product that's li likely to be generational products or something that's going to last a generation, not something that's going to be short term. I actually, mm. in this case, disagree with you, and I know that I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily look in the microcap space because I just think it's too risky. And those that you know that the haves and the haves nots are in there all the time, and there's so many have nots. So, I guess I would say I would be saying to people look for something a little bit more liquid. Cockley was in there, and I wouldn't look for something that's like the flavour of the month either, mm. like you know all the afterpays and that yeah. those sorts of stuff. I'm not talking that, about that either. I'm talking about finding okay. there is some gems. Was mm. good company start out as micro caps. Can you give generally. an example? Um, well, we're looking at stocks like Jumbo Interactive the other week. That's mm. just on a phenomenal rise. That was a micro cap I saw mm. eight nine years ago. True. There was a few stocks like that. Um, the other one we've got Vocus was another one that's mm. done very very well mm. so not so much in the last few months but it did very very well up to that so there's there are stocks there that you can look at and it could be things like NewSat um, was a micro cap years ago I haven't looked at the chart for a while but mm. things in in areas there could be ones in robotics or artificial intelligence right maybe, now maybe we should do a segment on this sort of thing maybe good question we should do right? a show sounds Unless, good all right but is this you or me now I don't know, I can't say my name, but I'm going to have a go anyway. Go Ladies first? Ladies first. Okay, we've shortened this one. Peter, thank you very much. It was a great email. Um, a few great questions in this one. Hi, Dale. Loving the Aussie content and your straight shooter approach to the markets. There you go. There you go. I haven't read your book yet, but will definitely, but definitely will if you answer this. Oh, there you go. <laughs> New to trading, and I'm with ANZ Day Trading and Long. Um, so he's day trading. Short long. and long, or just long? I can't see. Um, can you please scroll down? Thank you. I can read it. <laughs> um, he's so bought super he's bought retail at 6.93, and he's, he's yep. got a target, and he's got a stop loss. Um, I think it was around 10%, did he say? Yeah, so it's super retail that he wants us to have a look at. So let's go and have a look at super retail while we have a yell at our producer for scrolling too fast on our <laughs> teleprompter. Just trying to keep me on my toes there. <laughs> All right, so looking at super retail, SUL is the code, and we're looking at the long-term picture. Now, interesting how the stock mm -hmm. fell so fast with COVID. We can see this big pullback here. Now, is the decline over? Is Massive, it going to bounce down? 71% decline. It's probably recovered three quarters of that already. And looking at and you've really got to sit back and I think wait now because it's not about trying to get into this now that the horse has already bolted. There was a potential entry on this stock, you know, a couple of about a month or so ago. But looking at it now, I can see it's gapped up on the weekly. The the um, price is not moving on, and I'd suggest that now it's potentially having a little bit of a slowdown. Probably will, but it's in an industry in. where I think's probably got some advantages over the coming okay. months because. Um, just to coin what I was chatting about with Jim Beach you know, yesterday or um, for our report, he's saying every yesterday moved into summer for the US, 1st okay. of June, and everybody's hiring RVs, going camping, everything else to get out. Mm. 
Mm. They're not doing the traditional sort of even the late even the lardy-dar ladies you were talking about are, st- are doing that, getting into RVs to do their holidays because they don't want to get into big hotels and resorts and everything else at the moment because they don't want to be around masses of people. So super cheap. Mm. You know, obviously in Australia we're probably going to be where petrol's cheap right now. Um, they're opening up New South Wales. You can travel anywhere you like in New South Wales. Victoria's saying go camping, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll super cheap start benefiting from yeah, people getting could, things mm. like that. That's the sort of stuff. Well, maybe that's why be. it's bounced back so quick. Mm. But you'd have to think that it's, you know, has the market factored in? Because if we mm. say that the share price has currently factors in. in the next six months, then mm. it may have already done it. It may have mm. already done it. But good question anyway. Really good um, question. Our next email is from Rachel. This is, hi, Dale and Janine. Travel sector shares are increasing. Do you think it will keep going up? Um, and when is the right time to sell travel sector shares? Thanks, Rachel. Um, the best time to sell shares is when they start to go down. That's pretty much what it is. You can't put a time frame on that. And that's why I think a lot of people say to us, is this the time to buy? Is this the time to sell? And, and the end of the day is you can't necessarily put an exact time frame around a lot of stuff because what we might think today we might say look we think air yeah, travels a bit over overheated it's probably going to come down right now we might get more information tomorrow that changes our opinion so for us to say it's gone um, it, it's not really what Janine and I are going to do you need to have rules around buying and selling that's why we talk about stop losses all of the time the best time to sell the share is when it triggers your stop loss or your trailing stop loss whatever that is and uh, we teach them in my book as you see Francois said you know he's making money out of information in my book so get my book and you'll start but to understand what we're talking flight about Flight Centre for example which I've just mm. got up on the screen there that mm. one I mean it's already past the time to sell it Really? Well, yeah, it was passed before be, before the meltdown, yeah, but is it the looking, time to buy it now? And the answer is no. Not, no, not yet. No. But, but if you were holding it, for example, then I wouldn't be selling it right now. I'd be waiting to see but what But what about the next. sector as a whole? Is it the time to get into the travel sector now or stay out of it for a while? Look, I think it's a little too early to mm. say. That's mm. me too. So anyway, but good right. question. Next question is from Tony. Hi, guys. I've just recently decided to buy into a few shares that have been showing bullish signs. I bought BGA several weeks ago. It's since increased in price. And I'd like to invest in more shares with this company. I think BGA price will continue to rise. Your thoughts on reinvestment would be greatly appreciated. Now, I think reinvestment meaning purchasing more shares. Yeah, possibly. I'm thinking mm. not, it doesn't really explain whether it's reinvesting a, or buying more. And to get yeah, I mean, I mean Bigger Cheese has been really good, hasn't it? It's been a great stock. Look, it has, um, but it, it formed this really huge pattern overhead. And so therefore, the, mm. the COVID um, pullback was nothing compared to what was already happening on mm. the share. It had been falling for some time in, t- in 2019. So looking at it now, though, it looks really good support across here. It's got a hurdle to get over for me, though. It needs, also, to, yeah. needs to get over this hurdle that it's getting stuck at. Numerous times in the history of the share, it's got stuck at around that $5.50 mark. So until and it it's still got that law, lawsuit with Kraft at the moment, the yeah. Kraft taking it on. for. I mean, Kraft sold them, you know, Vegemite and the, the branding and everything else, and now it's... They've realised they went, oh shit, we made the wrong decision on that one, didn't we? So Kraft is trying to so take I thought them. that was over, so it's still. No, nah, it's the biggest one, the two court cases, and now Kraft's going at it again. You know, it's oh, like geez. it's like a big bully out there in the playground, mm. and they're wrong, completely wrong. Kraft is totally because they mm. sold Vegemite, they sold the labelling, they sold the packaging, they sold everything, the rights to everything, and now they want some of it back. That's strange. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I think but look, it is, but looking at um, bigger cheese at the moment, if you're holding mm. it, I mean, I'd still be holding. I'd still it be holding it. it. Looks good. Um, and it, and it's just my opinion, but mm. I just I look at that on the chart and see that resistance level and think, you know, it's got to do more mm. for me to really get excited about it. I'm with you. This All one's right. you. 
Um, before we get into the topic, we've got an email from Chris, and we did give this email a little trim. We'll Thanks very much, trim. Chris. G'day, Dale and Janine. I've always been interested in the share market, but have only recently begun to learn all about it and have read both of your books, Dale, and look forward to your weekly shows, which for a new person um, has, given, has a lot of information. So I think what he's trying to say is anyone new out there, it's a good place to start. The stock I would like you to have a look at is Sonic Healthcare. I'd like to buy and looking at the chart, um, it nice, has a nice growth pattern over the last 10 years and looks to be in a strong position. Although, as a side note, dividends are only 30%. Frank, does this matter too much in the big picture? Thanks for the information and keep up the good work. Cheers, Chris. Look, first of all, you know, the fact that he's asking us to tell mm. him whether he should buy, we're not going to tell him whether no. he should buy. Um, I'm just, we don't give personal financial advice and this show is um, is general in nature, but we, we do have opinions on stocks. So you do? You, everybody has an opinion, they say. I'll tell you what, what goes Well, opinions are like backsides. Everybody's got one, haven't they? Okay, keep moving. I that didn't swear. I, did not, saying, I didn't I, swear. I was thinking of the jar down beside me. I've got I didn't it here. Swear, so let's get always. in. What was the stock um, again? I forgot. Any opportunity. Sonic Healthcare. Okay, so we're looking at Sonic and we can see there it's recovered quite nicely. It is a good stock. Mm. It's bounced off the bottom. But at this point, there's, there's, there's no reason to buy it, even mm. though it's moved up so far. And I, I would just be waiting patiently. Um, just like the tiger who that mm. is is um, prepared to pounce on its prey and just watching for the right time to to do this, but with Sonic, if it goes up, it'll go up for a long time. It yes. just ten, tends to have good runs and then some sideways moves and then off it goes again. So and I wouldn't be worried about the franking on it at all. I no, mean, I mean just it's, it depends it's... on the if the design of the portfolio. It really comes mm. back to when you set up a portfolio. Are you looking for stocks that are going to be producing that dividend income? Is that your focus, or is it mm. growth and income? What is it? So if the focus was to get good dividend producing stocks and to be able to take advantage of that franking, then maybe that is a criteria. For, but it, mm. but that's really comes down to someone's personal situation. Yeah, it depends on whether you know you're retired, what kind mm. of income levels you're on, and everything else. But it's not to me all to Janine and I, it's not really a major consideration. We're looking for stocks that grow, and if they're paying good dividends, that's another bonus as well, but I don't think it's not a big issue at the moment. Yeah, because you're not going to want to hang on to a stock just no. because they're giving you a, throwing you a few pennies every so often, are you? No, but it looks good right now. But mm. um, So now's the time to get into our topic, so I've been excited about this one. It's buying and selling stocks. Um, why it's more important than uh, just pressing the button or placing an order is the last thing you need to do to get out of or get in and out of a trade, which means it's very important to get it right. Now, placing trades correctly is critical to your long-term success in the market so but uh, we'll explain various order types for you how to place your buy and stock what they mean together with the positives and negatives of each order so um, that you're doing so um, tonight, we're going to go through a lot of different things. Tonight we've split the discussion into three areas so just placing basic orders in a broker platform and some important order types do's and don'ts when placing the orders that's always important mm. isn't it? just to know what to what you need to think about it and some examples that we'll probably talk about are ones where people have actually made mistakes mm. in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. Did you want to keep going? Do I want to keep going? I'm going to be here till another hour, I think. So, so I'm should we keep expand going. on that now, or do you want to go straight into the points? That well, let's go to the let's go to the PowerPoint first. So you bring up the PowerPoint okay. first, and then we'll look at talk a bit about the orders, order types, and that sort of stuff. And then we'll go into the do's and don'ts and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I think Jack's got my PowerPoint. What do you mean? Oh, no, he's got your PowerPoint. So let's go into the do's and don'ts. 
And I'll bring I'll bring uh, out the PowerPoint. Okay, confirmation of the trade and contract notes. So, mm. if we think about do's and don'ts in the in the stock market when placing trades, one of the most important things when you're placing a trade is to make sure one that you've actually recorded your intention before you actually go to place the trade. And this is where a, a trading plan is really important. So, have your trading plan documented? Have worked out the quantity of shares you want to buy? Now, there are different means to working these things out. And in Dale's book, we do give you some information on that. So it's a really good place to start if you're wanting to learn how to place your orders there. But the other thing is that when you're placing orders, it's really important not to just leave it. And um, so, for instance, some people place what's called a conditional order, which means the order's not filled straight away when the order is placed. So what happens is the order gets filled at some stage during the market, and then the person doesn't go and check that the order's got filled. So that's a definite don't. The do is to actually make sure that you follow that um, trade right through to the end to making sure that you've got the contract note go through the contract note and make sure that the the order is as per you intended we've had lots of stories from people about having placed incorrect orders so terrible stories where they've actually put an extra digit at the end of the the number so placed an order for a stock that they've actually instead of buying you know thousand dollars of shares for example they've bought ten thousand or even more and situations where they've actually typed in the wrong code uh, which is even worse. And so what do you do in those situations? So, I mean, if, if you happen to purchase a, a share and it was actually the, the wrong, wrong share, not the share you intended to buy, my, uh, well, what I would suggest is that you actually go and sell it straight away because it's not the intention to purchase that stock. It's not part of your trading plan. It was an error. So that would be the first thing to do. And you can either um, go online and just place the order or just ring up your broker, be prepared to pay a little bit more and get them to help you. Because it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking in the beginning when you're placing orders. And, and this is where mistakes can be made. So on your broker platform, you'll see the order pad that you can fill out and always check the dollar amount for the order. So have a look at the cons total consideration. So it's not just the quantity of shares that you're placing in the order pad, it's what the actual value of those shares is in total. That's really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It really is important. And I find a lot of people make mistakes when placing orders because they're not focused on it. Mm. And I mean, that's really where you're at the coalface. It's like all this pre-work you've done, it's like, you know, um, being a 100 metre sprinter in the Olympic final and you didn't tie your shoelace up and you took off and you fell flat on your face because you just stood on your own shoelace. Yeah. Like, but you're already prepared. <laughs> That's a and, disaster. Well, it would be. You'd spread your I can't imagine you say, saying Bolt doing something like that. No, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. This is how mm. important it is, is like whilst people think, oh, well, look, it's just getting on the platform and plonking the trade in. It really is important to make sure you have a process there that you checking yourself to make sure you're doing it all right because otherwise it makes your analysis that you spent time doing. Yeah, so what you're saying is mm. don't rush it and do it when you're in a calm state. So that's mm. one of the reasons why we teach people about their psychology rules and being calm about the trading if you're in you're stressed or you're in a situation where you're having to rush to place an order, that's really not Yeah, I, I just, I, I take sometimes an hour or two to mm -hmm. place the order because I'll do my analysis and I might go to the kitchen and make a cup of coffee or go for a walk down the street, come back again, go back onto the Is computer. Is that what you were yeah. doing the other day? <laughs> that's what I do. And I go, yeah, okay, it's still a good trade. Now I'll go and place it. Yep. So then I sit down and if, you know, my wife comes in, I just, and she, when I get angry, it's when I'm telling her to go away while I'm placing a trade. Right. Because it's just got to be quiet and I need to focus because 
if I get my little fat finger here and I stick the wrong buttons, mm. it could cost thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or, you know, when mm. we're hitting, you know, hitting the wrong stock code or put well, trans And I'm left-handed, so I transpose things all the time. Mm. So it's like, you know, I might be, instead of buying BHP, I might be HBP. And like, <laughs> what the hell's that? You know, or you might go, I'm going to trade $50,000 trade and I've actually done a $500,000 trade. That's and it's for like, you yourself. Obviously, yes, we're doing checks when we know, do it. So we've got to do the checks. So, but anyway, so we've have we done the do's and don'ts, or what have we done? I think we're hearing a few now. Oh, are we? Yeah. But I've I've actually. What about the fat finger trades? Like the the brokers. I can remember when I first started trading mm. as an institutional trader, and and they mentioned this fat finger trading. I can remember seeing years ago, um, also this trade that went the wrong way for somebody. Mm. Somebody typed in the wrong amount, and the 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 price of one of the stocks. And I can't remember if it was Coke. Coca-Cola. This was decades yeah, yeah. ago, because yeah. I remember studying the chart and looking at it and talking to a broker, and he said, "Yeah, I remember what happened. This was actually all over the news. It was everywhere. Mm. Some guy actually typed in the wrong amount, and then bang, the trade went onto the market, and the price skyrocketed." Yeah, and we've mm. seen the opposite too, where you got this big long bar, and you're going, "How did that happen?" At somebody mm. with their fat finger. Uh, and one day there was a lady who was pregnant trading, yep. and she went into the a market. Or not? No, she was a or student of ours. She mm. was a student of ours, and I was. She told me about a situation. She was pregnant. She was, you know, trying to sell out of a profitable trade. Yep. She placed the trade, um, and then the next day, her partner said, "Oh, this stock, you've bought more of it." And oh. she went, no, 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 I sold it. And he goes, no, no, you bought more of it. Oh. So she doubled her position up by accident instead of exiting oh the trade. Goodness. And it was only because he checked yeah. that he saw that. Now, and she got out and it did cost her a bit of money because it had started, it was falling away by that sort of stuff. But she didn't get out of it with a massive so that, loss. that's why it can be good to have a buddy system. Yeah, but it's about checking everything. Mm. It's about checking all your contract notes, making sure you've got them all all right, making sure you're doing the right amounts, the right stocks, all yeah. of that sort of stuff. And having a little checklist here, and it really does help to have a checklist where you tick off have I done that have I done that have mm. I done that because that's what we do mm. we have this checklist you know when we're trading and we trade five million dollar trades three million dollar trades two million dollar trades and we go check have I checked that have I checked that have I checked that and so we put it in and then double check and then hit the go button and, and if we're not doing that we can make mistakes as professional traders. Now, I think we were actually told by the brokers that we were the lowest risk that they'd yeah. had. So that was mm. really Because of all the checks we mm. put in place. Because you don't really want to find mm. out you've made a mistake a day or a week or a month later because you haven't checked your contract notes. So yeah. so that's one of them. Um, did you want to get into the PowerPoint now? Oh, look, I think that would be good. Do? Unless you've got any other um, examples that you can I'll recall. think of some as we're going through anyway. But let's bring up the PowerPoint now and have a good look at that. All right, so, so buyer and s or sell order types. Placing trades correctly is critical to your long-term success. And that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it is. Because as I said, it's like, it's like you do all the work to get to that, to that platform to place the trade and you can bring out, it all undone. Sorry, somebody out there might be thinking, well, what's all the work? Hmm. What is the work? What are you referring to? All your to? analysis, all your research. And some people spend, you know, days and months mm. looking at stocks and doing Back analysis testing. on it. And, and, you know, um, fundamental people can spend, you know, nights just reading information on mm. a stock to do all their research, you know, whereas technical traders can, can spend, you know, minutes, hours or days or months on stocks, depending on where, how deep they want to go into it. Mm -hmm. So you could be spending a fair amount of time making sure you're getting the, the, all that preparation right so you're picking the right buy for your portfolio and you can bring it all done by being hitting Look, I, the wrong buttons i can remember a couple of guys telling me that they were trading i think cfds mm -hmm. 
and they were saying that they'd done all this work, time and effort, placed the trade, and then the trade didn't get filled. Yep, that happens. And the, and the price shot away. So that because they weren't watching it, they weren't able to watch it. So you've really got to design your strategy too. There's no point having a really short-term strategy if you can't watch it. Yeah, I mean, I had a mate too who we, he had ANZ, and um, he said, what do you reckon of this? And we're sitting there having a coffee at his place. I, mean, uh, I said, does it hit your stop loss? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, then sell it. Mm. You know, that's what you should be doing. And he goes, yeah, and I spoke to him the next week. I said, oh, did you get out of ANZ? And he goes, no. Nah. I said, what would you do? And he goes, oh, well, I put my exit price about two cents above the last sale price. I said, why would you do that? And he goes, oh, well, I thought that was a better price. And he stayed in it. Well, the next week I rang him. I said, have you get out? And he goes, oh, I did, did, he did the same thing again. He did it three or four times in a row. And by the time he finally got out, he'd lost about 15%. Right. Because it kept going down. And he kept trying to eke out those last few cents. And were you gentle with him or not? No. <laughs> No, different. he was a good mate, and it's like slap. It's like you either yeah. get out or you get in, one of the yeah. two. You don't play around with it. And what's okay. a couple of cents in the big scheme of things? You know, mm. It really wasn't much, mm. but it cost him. It was a big lesson for him to say, well, you know, I want to get a few cents more. And I think that's we do see people do that. They try and, try and scrape in at the lowest price it's traded at or the highest price it's traded at to get out of it. Was this the same guy that went on to actually make... Because one of your friends made a deposit deposit for his house buying a few shares no different guy oh, okay different guy the guy that actually followed the rules okay did that so let's look at this this, this sort right, of stuff so this is buy and sell order types, yeah? types okay, okay. Yep. so you've got two different areas here one is price and one is validity so what we mean is is what price you're buying at and the, the two main ones and this is for stocks if you go into fx market there is a shed load more order types that You've get really, really complex careful with those swear words, i know you? i did say shed load but there's a lot more that gets you confusing but if you're just buying stocks these are the only two that you need at market and at limit mm. now the difference between the two is at market you're buying at the price that it is right now so whatever it is is you place the market and you buy at whatever the current asking price is that's most of the trades you'll do as an individual trader should be at market and you're doing them while the market's open the mm. other one is at limit and that means you'll buy it'll buy the stock at the, uh, the price up to the limit that you set. So for example, if there's a stock trading at $10, you might say, I wanna buy at limit up to $10.05. So you might get it at $10, one, $10.01, $10.02, $10.03, $10.04, or $10.05, depending on how it trades up to $10.05. But once it gets over 10.05, it's not buying for you. So you're buying up to that limit. Um, and it's exactly the same for the sell. You might say, I want to sell at limit. So let's say you, you want to sell it at $10 and it's trading at um, you know, $10.04, $10.03, $10.02. You'll all get exited out to that, um, but you won't go below $10 if you set a limit for your sell as well. So um, at market, as I said, mm, just nice whatever the current mm -hmm. asking price is. So they're the two that you should use. When the market's closed, it means outside of market hours, so after four and before um, 10 a.m. in the morning, you can only play at limit orders because the market's not trading so therefore there's no at market pricing so if you've got to go to work you just place an at limit order and always do it with an at limit with a, f a couple of percent away from the current price to just give a little bit of movement in the morning if that's what you're doing it's not easy to mm. judge though is it in the morning no it's not easy to judge so it's quite often good just to place your trade during the middle of the day mm. you know have lunch and place your trade or something like that mm. the other section we got there is validity and they've got day only good tool cancelled and um, x number of days now good tool cancel is what a lot of them default to mm. and the reason why they default to is what i was talking about the other week is that good tool cancel means you have to physically cancel your order to say 
take it out of the market so it stays in the market so again if you're looking to buy it at ten dollars and let's say that the stock didn't get to ten dollars but it got down went down to 990 and you go oh well it's going down i'm not going to buy it but you forgot to take your order off the market and it was good till cancelled and then it turned around and went up again and it went to 1001 but you didn't realize that you could have bought into that stock at ten dollars because it went up to 1001 and then you haven't looked at it and then it tanks again and you're in that stock because you haven't put a sell order into it um, and the inverse works where you can buy it on the way down again so you might say it might be trading at 1004 and you'd say i want to buy it at 10 and it goes to 1030 and you go oh, i've missed it and then it comes back as soon as it hits ten dollars it's going to take you up and you're going to ride it all the way down to the bottom so it's really important you get that right um, so we only ever place day only orders so just for the day that's it and then we reset it the next day if we want to do that and the other one is have the order there for x number of days so you say well i'll have the order in for three days five days whatever else um, but again i would only ever do day only trades and that's what we're looking for is that the only slide we've got or we've got more, more? Mm -hmm. the other one we've got is conditional orders which allow investors to create an order in advance with predefined um, conditions as to when the order triggers now uh, once the predefined conditions are met the order is placed in the market so conditional laws are generally executed at your normal brokerage um, and they also undertake it on a best endeavors basis so so it's basically like a limit order the same sort of thing and there's a whole variety of uh, conditional orders that i won't even go through because they'll spin your head some of those they could be with different different with different brokers and different brokers will have different conditional mm. orders if uh, whether different stock brokers will have different conditional orders different cfd brokers will have different ones different fx brokers will have different ones so but basically you set the condition that they allow you to set and that's how it works so from that one and then we've got guaranteed stops haven't we it's guaranteed stop losses so we've got a slide you. for that no, we haven't got we a don't slide have a slide. The last one I want to talk about is guaranteed stops because people do bring that up every now and again where you want to know, I want to exit at this price. So if you set a guaranteed stop at $10, you're going to pay extra for that because what the broker does is they hedge their position on there. So they don't want to take that risk. You're generally only able to set a guaranteed stop within a few percent of the current price because the further you're away from it, the more it costs the broker to hedge that position because they are taking the risk off you and therefore somebody then they like to offload their risk somewhere else so they'll that's why they're going to charge you to do a guaranteed stop but you will get exited at that price if that's really what you want and you know you can't watch it um, then you can do that so and that's really what it is so that's have you used it before i played with it for fun but i've only played with it i've never mm. used one because we put our stops on and and do that so i've never with really cfds though i have heard a few guys complain and say that they the price gap down through their their mm. stop loss and so they missed it yeah mm. so there's all different things there anyway but um but that's it for tonight's topic but um hopefully you enjoyed that if you've got other questions or things you'd like to ask to explain about the market let us know but um but whilst i'm on the subject and before we get into more emails hit the subscribe button now because that makes janine excited she smiles and says yes we get some more subscribers so it's just our reward for doing a good job here and, and you show show your appreciation of us sitting here helping you out by hitting that subscribe button now and whilst you're there stick the big thumbs up and hit the like button as well so Right. So we're going to move, move on, on to another email when the guys bring it up for us. Yeah. Well, what's the next email we've got? Who's it from? Should we have a well, look? I don't know. I'm waiting it's for the exciting, guys. It's exciting, isn't it? Drum roll. <laughs> drum roll. We've, we've got another eight, I think. The next question's from Andrew. It's your one. Oh, you're okay. Andrew, hi, Dale and Janine. I appreciate all the hard work you guys put in week in, week out. I'm looking at entering RFF, Rural Funds Group. It looks to me have had broken out of a downtrend. Would you agree? Um, I would be interested in your professional thoughts. Thanks, Andrew. Good question. So let's mm. bring up RFF. So let's get out of this. this and bring up Optima so we can actually have a good look at that. Yep. 
So RFF, have you ever looked at that one before? No, I've never looked at this one. Rural Funds Group. Um, look, oh, interesting, the topping pattern that's had here mm. uh, at around 240. So COVID was um, the confirmation of all of that. So mm. potentially it could fall further, couldn't it? Yeah, it's showing a bit of weakness mm. because it went, went sideways, had a good week last week, but this week's a little bit of indecision, but I've only got three days. So it's I not know, enough. I'd be concerned though if it went through mm. this low here, this low in 20, 22nd of May, the uh, 183, provided it stays above there, I'd be mm. okay with it. But if it fell below, that I'd be really concerned about mm. it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, me too. Otherwise, it looks okay. Um, you know, it has made its highest high in about four or five weeks, but I don't know. It's not giving me. It's, it's something there that's not giving me enough. Yeah. Not yet. It'd have to actually go through um, mm. this high, the recent high, to prove that it's actually going to move up and challenge that mm. all-time high. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's all we've got to say on that one, short and sweet. Okay. Um, the next one is Monash IVF Group. Now, looking at that, it's been in decline, serious decline well before COVID. Yeah, you've got to read the question first, girl. Um, Come on. Look, I'm just interested in the chat. No, you've got to read the question. Zish, I've been waiting to say his name. Can you pronounce that? Well, you just is said that it. correct? What? <laughs> Zish. Zish. Zish, it's really mysterious. Hi, D Dale and Janine. A wonderful help for people like me who are really new to the ASX and stock market. I've just started the self-managed super fund and bought that's um, self-managed super fund for people who are not familiar with that it's instead of having a normal mm. retail fund or industry fund that people open their own self-managed super fund um, and you become the trustees and have bought um, an MVF which is Melbourne IVF Melbourne at IVF. 70 cents and decided to hold unfortunately haven't seen your videos and your book um, is in the mail so I didn't read that beforehand okay main reason for the purchase was in my opinion on management ability to turn the company around this is always a challenge isn't it when you yeah. look at the fundamental side of things I'll really appreciate it if you could please review MVF thanks and kind regards Zish it's very polite mm. now looking at uh, Monash IVF as I said it's in a big decline so we've got a long term decline there so the pressure is all down but one of the positive short term is it's come back, it's traded down filled this little gap and it's now trying to move back up again so mm. I think it'll start to push back up but the question really remains will it get above that and I can't even see that, is that 80 cents? I think it's around 80 cents. I've got to put my glasses on now <laughs> Yeah, so it, it might just quick. hit its head around 80 or 90 cents in the short term so I'm not really big on it um, you know long term if you look at Dale's book you might be able to get a trend line down there at some stage but not right now down the track when it What's starts the liquidity to bounce like around the it looks like it's not a highly liquid stock this yeah, one it's not too bad but it, from what I'm actually seeing that's not too bad huge volume there at the bottom so mm. isn't it interesting that it's been going sideways and there's this massive exchange of volume so something's going on there something's going on that's probably the why scenes. they're looking at it Mm. But what's it normally do? Like through three, three, these sort of areas, what is it normally doing? So Nothing. 3.3 really. 3 million shares at 97 cents. So it's, you know, we're not talking about sheep stations. They're three, four million dollars. No, um, but we're talking all of a sudden triple the volume. Correct. Correct. And now so it's, someone's well, betting on that. Someone's mm. betting on that at the moment. So it's one to watch. So I think it's the one they stick on but your watch But it's high this. risk. But it is a little bit higher risk. But thanks, yeah. Zish, for doing that and bringing that up. But next we have an email from Matthew. Um, is it possible, possible for you to analyse Kogan for me? It has rallied very hard since I March and has literally had 11 weeks up in a row. Have you ever seen a stock that has done that or surpassed that before? Yes. Matthew. <laughs> Is that next question, isn't it? <laughs> that was a short and sweet one. Uh -huh. Look, it's gone to a new all-time high. So we, the rule is that when a stock goes to a new all-time high, it's in what we call blue sky territory. And the theory is that there's less resistance mm. for the stock to continue to move higher. 
Look, I would say that this could do anything this, right now. Is this not rampant speculation on Huge. a stock? Yeah. Well, I'm speculating that this stock's going to be a longer-term bullish because it's online mm. retail, you know, because they see Amazon, yep. people with, you know, in lockup buying things online, everything else. So this is a lot of people speculating on the stock. And they've done really, really well on it, but we won't know what's going on until we start to see a retest of that low. So right now, would, you, would I be buying into this stock? No, I wouldn't be. I'd be sitting back waiting because you'd be paying a premium for it. And when it does come down, it's likely to come down faster because what goes up fast generally comes down fast because you've got a lot of people speculating and, and believing their traders. So if you just get a bit of bad news or they haven't come out, they don't come out with a report that the big end of town thinks is is reasonable um, this thing could hit to the floor pretty quickly uh, and that's so you'd be ready to exit that if you do own that stock but if you do own it i'll be hanging on to it right now still um, but is it likely to go much higher right now i don't think so but i could yeah. be wrong look i'd say in the next month or so it could just do a sideways mm -hmm. move but look I'd have to say, Dale, there is a potential for it to keep going now that it's done what it's done. But it's gone so Over the fast. long term, though. like I'm not mm. saying in the short oh, term, term. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. It mm. could come back and you'd have to set a, a, a trailing stop under it. But then the, the challenge will be, well, how do you get back 11 weeks it? up without a downward week. That's that's phenomenal rise. And yes, we have seen it before, but it's very, very rare. Mm. Like it's exceedingly rare. Um, and it generally happens in exceedingly rare times. So be interesting to see what happens. This stock doesn't look like it's done it before, but hey. Mm, that um, is a nice pattern unfolding. Yeah. So looking at Kogan, looks, looks interesting. So we have an email from Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Um, he says, hi, Janine and Dale. Mm. I hope it's a male. Oh, well, we don't know. It could be a female. I don't want to be sexist now. I'm new to trading and um, putting stocks on my watch list for a superannuation portfolio, and I wanted to ask a question about M um, FMG. FMG. A lot of people want to know about this one. Um, from my not very expert observations, it seems to have strong runs and then a bit of a trend down and sideways. It reached a new high recently, and I'm wondering if it's exhausted itself and likely to start trending down. I've wanted to buy it for a while now, but have taken your advice and sat on my hands and I'm finding it very fascinating to watch everything unfold and I've just started on Dale's second book after reading the first. Janine, I think you're great. Oh, thank you. Um, and very confidence instilling in the way you respond to people's questions and offer your insights and knowledge. Cheers, Ashley. Thank you. And I didn't pick Ashley's question to put up. Dale actually picked it. Thanks. Well, look, I think you do a fantastic job Thank every you. single week. And I think, you know, you offer that nice balance view, mm. you know, because I get a bit passionate because I hate people losing money and I hate people doing silly things, you know, and I'm just trying to say to people, look, it doesn't, it's not too hard. You can make money on the market. You just need some basic rules around you. And I find a lot of people are, I was going to say lazy, but that not really. They just like to avoid things rather than actually go and I look at what's. I thought you weren't going to go into lectures tonight. Well, I wasn't going to, but you know, I think it's great that Ashley's, you know, looking at stocks, looking at this, you know. And when we, when I've been saying, look, you know, times to sit on your hands, you know, it, it, it's, it's about risk. As I was saying a little bit earlier, it's like, what is the risk of being in the market right now? Yes, it's going up, and yes, there are a lot of people with FOMO jumping into stocks, trying to catch falling knives, all that sort of stuff. But again, you know, the last couple of months doesn't necessarily make a trader. It's just mm. the last couple of months. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's always, if you're not sure, it's best to sit it out and just watch and learn from what's been going on. And so that's what we do. We learn from lots of situations and the best traders are patient. And that's really what I've found is the best traders are very, very patient. But Well, I'm losing mine at the moment, so we're going to move on. Okay, fine, go. <laughs> talk okay she likes you better than me anyway so okay. i thought you said it was, oh, it was a he 
well, he, I don't know. All right. I'm not being sexist. Are you okay. being sexist now? <laughs> okay, I'm going to start crying now. No, Fortescue not. Metals Group um, looks fantastic. It's gone to a new all-time high. Now, we're seeing um, real resilience in the share. And, yes, first of all, I want to say that when, when we talk about stocks, we're not actually giving you advice. So what you do is actually your choice here. Um, it's, it's our opinion and it could change depending on how the stock unfolds. So, so if you're asking this question and you're talking about following someone's advice, it's probably because that you don't have enough knowledge yet to really get into it yourself and understand it. And, and FMG is a great stock. It's, it's a really good trading stock and, and can make a lot of money for you. But if you're trying to pick this stock, it's quite hard because at times it can actually go up for four or five, six months and then all of a sudden pull back really strongly. And that's the mm -hmm. thing with Fortescue, and it can pull back quite away. So it's not for the faint-hearted. I'd say that it's probably going to rise up a little bit more. We might see it move up for another week or so, and then I'd, I'd expect it to peak out for a little bit mm -hmm. because there's this gap here on the weekly chart. At some point, I think it's going to come back and test that. But it could be strong into um, the end of the month. Okay. Yeah. BHP, mm -hmm. Rio, Fortescue, what's your better one? Look, at the moment, Fortescue is making all-time highs, but I do like the big miners. I tend to go for them mm. over this one. I tend to look at this stock as a more shorter-term proposition. Mm. It's just more of a trader stock to me. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Correct. That's what I'm looking at. So All right. The next uh, question we have, or the next email we have from Nico. Welcome, Nico. Thanks for sending your email in. He says, hello, Dale and Janine. Keep up the amazing content. Um, have a question on setting a stop loss. I got into A2 Milk at 18.88 um, and looking to hold for the short to mid term. Now I've set my stop loss at 10% or at 16.99 of my buy value. However, however, looking at the long term of this stock, do you think that might be such a good idea? Good question, and I'm glad you really said a stop question. loss. So well done. We're not bringing up your chart because it, it wasn't going to add to obviously our discussion today. So we'll bring I up just our to one. See where he bought it. We told you. I you know, the I price. Just have a another or look you on the chart. Well, you can look on the chart. Do you remember his buy price? 10.88. 10.88. So what was his stop loss? 16.99. Oh, okay, so let's have a look. See where he bought it. <laughs> okay. That was her test. All right. So we got through the gate. Okay. Mm. Um, 10.88. So we must have bought it somewhere either right in this mm. bottom here, or was it over here? Maybe. Um, and it has moved nicely, but. Technically, he would have sold it somewhere when it pulled back. Well, he's riding the waves, here. isn't he? He's really? riding the waves up. But then if he's doing this over the medium to long term, mm. there is reason to continue to hold it. But you've got to be prepared for the downside volatility when eventually it does turn. So at the moment, there's no real reason to sell it. There is a rule that you could have short, taken a short-term trade on it. But at the moment, you don't have an uptrend line mm. um, right underneath that yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it looks like it's good now. It's still looking, it's still rising. It's just having a bit of a retracement, isn't it? Just settling it a little bit. So there's no reason to exit this stock at the moment. And this is where you've got to set your stop losses in a nice spot because all too often people set their stop losses way too tight. And what happens is they exit stocks that they should have stayed in. And the reason why they set them tight is because they don't want to lose some of their profit or they want to lose so much of their um, capital. So they might say, look, I don't want to lose 10%, so what if my buy price is a dollar, I don't want to get it down to 90 cents and then sell. I'll put a 5% profit, a little stop loss on it. But what happens is they get stopped out a lot more, so you end up losing a lot more, having a lot more losing trade. So, And it all comes down to confidence in your buying, your sales and your rules. So having that 10%, I don't have an issue of 10% on this to you. Yeah, no. But depending look, it's, on also where it's, the, set, right? it's also the time frame of the trade. If he's mm. trading long term... Then mm. that's a 10% stop loss is fine. 15 is mm. fine. Mm. If they were trading short term, I'd you know 5% mm. 
might be fine. Yeah, correct. Mm. And so that's what we're looking at. If you're looking more medium to longer term, which is worth saying in your, your um, email there, I think it's fine at the moment. I think you're okay to hold and I'd stay, stay with the stock at this point in time. But, but of course, make your own decision because we don't give you personal financial advice. No, Janine doesn't. Now, we have an email from Jonathan. Um, hello, Dale and Janine. My question is less a technical question, but more so about should you have money in shares that you ethically have issues with? Mm. Mm. For example, banking and mining shares, you practically probably wouldn't buy anything on the stock market these days unless it's a small stock mm. that's developing new technologies, I think, because some of the, even the banks are into all sorts of investments into, someone said to me, I could buy a bank because isn't that an ethical investment? And I said, well, you'd have to go and have a look at what they're actually investing in. Are they in coal? Do you think that's ethical? Mm. Oh, yeah, banks invest in a lot of things. So um, Rio Tinto had mined Aboriginal heritage land while other mining companies had been involved in dubious behaviour. The Royal Commission into the banking industry exposed so much wrong with some of the large corporations in Australia. Should we look outside the big names and look for more ethical businesses with smaller market caps, which I just mentioned then? Thanks for everything, John. And look, I think if you're looking for ethical stocks, there are some stocks. It just depends on what areas. Like you'd have to think that some of the healthcare stocks would come under that area. They're trying to help people, save mm. people's lies but but my question is what is ethical because mm, what's ethical to you and what's ethical to me are two different things or could True. be two different things could be ethical for environmental reasons could be ethical for religious reasons it could be ethical for political reasons mm. you know what is it so yeah. uh, should do people trust banks i think people that people trust banks to a point but a lot and less now. A lot less now mm. after the Royal Commission. We're starting to see what's going out. And insurance companies, you know, people don't trust a lot of companies, big companies out there. So, you know, when you're looking at the the brand awareness and, and people's trust in certain brands, what are the brands? Do, do you trust Telstra? I don't think I know anybody that likes Telstra. But are they ethical? Mm. You know, that's the point. And so, yes, you know, if it's an environmental, so because the, the, the person brought up some environmental issues with, you know, not environmental, Aboriginal, um, mm. Rio mining Aboriginal land. So I don't, you're going to struggle to find a stock that's completely ethical across the board, I think. There will be plenty there. But, but what about you things know, like um, solar, com companies getting into solar, mm. wind, all of those technologies. Surely but you're getting thin on the ground, so that's the only mm. problem with but ethical. But liquidity's not there yeah. with these stocks. And it depends on how rigid you want to be with your ethical investment. So mm. if you're yeah. going to be really rigid, you're going to be very thin on the ground for stocks and they may not be the best ones to buy. But one of the mm. things, I've, I've got a friend who's very much, a, I, won't, I won't say an activist, but you get the sort of genre that we're talking about. He's very environmental, all that sort of stuff. And he talks about this stuff with me all the time. And I said, mate, what's the best way to change a company? And that's to buy it. And then go in and because as a shareholder, you have every right to talk to the members of the board and put letters to them and go to the, the annual general meetings and voice your opinion. And if you've got people that have an ethical concern about how a company you own is acting, then as a shareholder, you can go to that annual general meeting, stand in front of a microphone and tell the directors exactly what you're thinking. Um, and if a lot of people thought that way, then companies and people did that, then maybe companies may be more ethical. So change from within side it not necessarily don't invest in them. So there's different trains of thoughts. But I wouldn't stand there blowing the trumpet no. and, to, and holding a stock that's an ethical investment and it keeps falling. No, correct. And that's then, the thing. Then you it's about making money first. Thinking I need to, it becomes like a donation then, doesn't it? Correct. It's trying to support something mm. and then watching your investment fall by 50%. Mm. Mm. Correct. So it's about making money. Absolutely. Um, let's get into our final email tonight. Wow, it's gone fast, hasn't it? Jeez, you've talked. I gave you the final one. I th well, 
So you could I think you took the first five or seven and didn't give me a go, and now you're giving <laughs> me the last couple. But the final email tonight is from Zane. Hi, Zane. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. I hope you're well. Yes, we are. Thanks for asking. I really like cash converters, and now their legal troubles are behind them. I'm looking to invest. I'm interested to know if you think now looks like a good entry point or if I should wait um, to see how the stock responds after testing its recent December, January high. Um, oh, I can't read that. 20 something cents, isn't it? 25 cents. Uh, 25 cents. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Zane. So let's bring up uh, cash converters. Okay, What's your got thoughts it there on already. Look, I think interesting, the trend, you know, it's, it has traded really low. So let's just have a look at the whole history. I think it could be interesting going mm. forward. I'm, I'm not saying right now because it's too early. However, let's just have a look at the weekly chart, see what the weekly chart's showing. It's already taken off. Now, the first thing you notice when you look at a weekly chart is that that picket fence thing that you've yeah, always talked about. it's not quite liquid, isn't it? It's not liquid enough, really. Mm. Um, it's going to be highly volatile. If we look at the mm. volume, we put something on there. We can see there that during the week, for each week, um, the amount... Of the actual volume traded is probably only about what 1.5 million or I'm something like that. I'm going to put my glasses on again. Just have a close look. You can lean forward if you like. Um, that's two million at 16 cents. That's not a lot of dollars, is so it? So really? two million, it's nothing, right? So investing in this sort of stock, you've got to be thinking that a small parcel could come along and just, you know, it's like a plonk in a pond and it just creates a ripple and then that could be up or down. So mm. you could lose your money really quickly, which is what happened during COVID. It fell pretty fast, but it was already in a long-term decline. So look, I don't. I wouldn't be looking at it. It's too small at this stage, in my opinion. But then if somebody's got a portfolio where they're going and they're picking these smaller stocks and they've designed a portfolio for that and with a small amount of their capital, not the whole mm. lot, but a small portion of their capital and they're looking at these, then it could be a good one. Yeah, one of the rules we talk about, and I'm pretty sure I talk about in my book, is to not put more than 10% of your capital into speculation. Yeah, and you're not talking about plonking the whole 10% in no. one share in that um, day. And so what, I, what I'm talking about here is let's say you've got, let's say you've got 20,000 to invest. Um, is it Zane? Zane? Yeah. Yeah, Zane. Um, if you've got 20,000 to invest, $2,000 you can put into something that's a little bit more speculative. So your $1,800 goes into big good stocks, but that $2,000 you might break up into two or three, four positions, maybe $500, $1,000. And you can might be pick some stock and you don't put, as I said, as Janine said, don't put the whole $2,000 into one or the whole 10%. You still need to break that up a little bit because what it is is if one of those, those speculative buys that you buy goes broke and you lose all your money, you're not losing your shirt. You've still got plenty of money in the money in the good stocks. You're still getting your, your capital turning over in great shares. And you're not going to be beating yourself up a lot. But if you put a big chunk of your $20,000 into one of these shares and it went south, you could be losing 30, 40, 50, even 90% of your money. And if you lose... If you're losing like 50% of your money on a stock, you've got to make 100% on the remaining capital break even. And if you're losing like 90%, I think you've got to make three, four hundred percent on the remaining capital to break even. So it's a huge difference. So just be careful, but it, it's looking okay at the moment, but it's probably a bit too speculative for us. Do we really have to end the Yeah, the now? guy's in my ear. I keep this little pixie in my ear keeps yelling at me, shut up Dale and keep going and wrap it up. Um, it's the end of tonight's show and I hope you had a great um, night with us and enjoyed it. Thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for our upcoming shows. 
Now, if you'd like to see the show continue, remember to share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues. That means your YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, everything else that you can do. So please share it. Also, remember to make sure you put the show into your calendar, as we'll be right here on YouTube every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. live. As always, we're happy to receive your questions, so send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Remember to send in your videos and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Yeah, stick your video on. Stick your camera in front of your face. We want to see more of people like Francois and um, Robert. Um, but that does bring us to the end of the show, and again, we really hope you enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, always, thank you for joining, and we'll see you again next week. But for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Good night. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.